Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you, big book study. My name is Larry Kay, and I'm uh, amazingly a recovered compulsive reader. Uh, today is Thursday, November 19th, 2020. We are reading from the big book. We are currently on page uh, 18 in the chapter, There is a Solution. We're reading the third paragraph, which begins, Highly Competent Psychiatrists. And we're just going to read the one paragraph only. Today, um, today's readers, we have Sam S. pulling her weight in Rhode Island there on the, on the 12 steps, and we have Yvette L. on the 12 traditions, and the readers of the text are Vanita L., Martha Z., and Samantha H. Um, we, our newcomer greeter following this meeting is Devorah S., and the host for the second hour is Esther C. Uh, the share ID for yesterday, Wednesday, November 18th, uh, the 7 a.m. meeting, that number is 15,810. That's 15810. The 10 a.m. meeting, 15,811. 15811. The OA pre-ramble, blah, blah, blah. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions. We neither solicit nor accept outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement. We don't care about your ideology or your religious doctrine. We just don't oppose it. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, <clears throat> OA's fifth tradition states that each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to, to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating, they can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. So now let's go out to Rhode Island. I don't know why I'm stuck on Rhode Island, Sam, but I just love Rhode Island. Sam S., would you read the 12 steps? <laughs> sure. Thanks, Larry. To Sam S., compulsive overeater in Rhode Island. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, come to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understand, understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, 
who tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you. Thank you, Sam. Okay, let's move on to the 12 traditions. Yvette, Yvette L., good morning. Good morning. This is Yvette L., a recovered compulsive overeater in New Britain, Connecticut. Uh, the 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for letting me do service. Oh, thank you, Yvette. Okay, stick to the script and no singing. Oh, wait, that's notes to me. Um, how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature that we're discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose, <clears throat> excuse me, reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, for readers it's six months, <clears throat> and there is absolutely no, we lost Larry, press you. We must have lost Larry. Vanita, are you the first reader? I'll start, okay. Yes, please. Highly competent psych... Hi, this is Vanita L. in Georgia. Um, recovered compulsive overeater. Highly competent psychiatrists who have dealt with us have found it sometimes impossible to persuade an alcoholic... Page number, please page 18, third paragraph, to discuss his situation without reserve, 
Strangely enough, wives, parents, and intimate friends usually find those even more unapproachable than do the psychiatrist and the doctor. So I wrote, when I went through the big book with my sponsor, I wrote for that paragraph, We Hide in Shame. And, you know, the addictions are known to be shame-based. And what I've learned is that that shame, that, that really horrible feeling, like there's something wrong with me and I need to hide and I'm going to be rejected or um, probably rejected mostly, that it's a lie. I called when I got triggered in a shame about a year ago and I called a new sponsor. You know, she she said, you know, it's a lie. And it just popped the shame. But that that shame, even though it's maybe illusory on some level, because it just disappeared the second she said it's a lie. Because I woke up from that dream, right, that I had done something. I don't even remember what it was about, but I had screwed up. And um, it's it drives a lot of my behavior and a lot of the addiction. So it's not surprising to me that highly competent psychiatrists couldn't get the alcoholic to, to talk about it because... Um, you know, we have tremendous shame and denial about um, our compulsive overeating. And then, with obviously, with um, friends and family and stuff like that, we're not going to want to talk about it either because usually psychiatrists back then, it didn't sound like they really understood the problem. And certainly most of our family and friends, they they didn't understand my compulsive overeating and all the strange things that I was doing. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. So who'd ever like to share? You have three minutes. Okay, I'm back on here. So hopefully you can hear me. Um, I'm presuming that... Larry, I just finished the reading, Danita. Yeah, I, I, I was listening there. Thanks so much. So, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll take it from here. And thank you so much for, for jumping in there and taking there. So, again, we read uh, from uh, Benita read page 18, the third paragraph, Highly Competent Psychiatrist. Uh, if you haven't shared in the past couple of days, we'd love to hear from you, particularly if you if you've never shared before and you're just super scared like I am, um, we'd love to hear from you. Who would like to share? Madam. Matt. Who else? Laura L. Hi, Laura. Grace K. Gloria K. Was that Grace, Gloria. Sandra B. Evelyn. And Evelyn. Okay, let's stop there. Did I hear Grace? Or was I just offered Grace? Did I hear you, Grace? Or was there someone that sounded like Grace? Grace K. Okay, perfect. Thank you. (laughs) Okay, so here's our lineup. Uh, We got All-Star, Matt M, followed by Laura, Grace, Gloria, Sandra, and Evelyn. And then we'll catch you on the go-around here. Catch you on the bend. Hey, Matt, good morning. Hi, Larry. Good morning. Matt M, recovered compulsive over here from New Jersey and spawned able to sponsor. 
Hi, everyone. I'm very grateful to be here today. Uh, this is a very interesting paragraph. You know, when I first got into rooms and uh, even before, I used to not um, listen to anybody else but my own voice. You know, I, I had doctors and therapists, psychiatrists tell me to lose, that I need to lose weight and that I need to take care of myself. I wouldn't listen to any of them because I was very stubborn and the disease is very strong in me. You know, the force is strong in this one. You know, I'm very, very, I didn't want to listen to anybody, else, but, you know, I was getting, I was getting my, my ass was getting stronger, wider and wider, and I was getting bigger and bigger, and I I was getting I was getting sicker and sicker, and I was dying a, a slow and painful death, you know. Uh, as someone says, "Remember death by Dorito." I had tombstones in my eyes, and I was dying a very slow, painful death right in front of everybody. It was, I was doing suicide, you know, slowly and painful. And that's something about compulsive overeating. It, it happens right in front of you. It's like a train wreck. Slow. It's like slow motion. Watching people are watching it happen right in front of them, and they, they're they're powerless to stop it. You know, you can't you can't. It's it, it's it's almost a sick thing. Like it's almost it's very sick. People are watching it happen right in front of them. And they're they're powerless to stop it. You know that that was me, all right. And um, but no one's like a frothy emotional appeal. You know, doctors are telling me, Matt, you're not going to make it to 30. Matt, you're not going to make it to 21. Matt, you're not going to make you're not going to make it. But it was it was like so falling on deaf ears because I I was hearing it so much from other people that I just ignored it. I was a pushing push under the rug. You know, it's not going to happen to me. It's not going to happen to me. I'm not going to have that heart attack. I'm not going to have this. I'm not going to have that. It's not going to happen to me. But every new health issue that came up, I was just like, yeah, whatever, whatever, whatever. It's not that big of a deal. You know, and um, then I recently this year what happened to Waffle. I had a, have a kidney disease that I have on me, and um, but it's a stage 5 kidney failure. But just by working the program, I was up to 550 again this year. And um, But I graciously got up at least 85 of those pounds. And this past month, I work in the program, we're going through the steps again, and I have a new sponsor, I'm going through the steps again to try to tighten up my food and to keep myself getting even more recovered. You can never have too much recovery. I don't believe in such a thing. Um, but at grace of God, um, I have now working the steps and calling people and going to meetings and calling, making outreach calls. I've been released of, uh, I'm no longer in stage five kidney failure. I'm in stage four just by working this program, calling you all in place of the grace of my higher power. I'm no longer in kidney failure right now. I've taken myself out of kidney failure with, the, with your help and with my higher power's help, my sponsor's help. This program does work if you work it one day at a time, one meal at a time. So I just wanted to share that with that. I passed. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much, Matt. Okay, next up we have Laura, followed by an offering from Grace. Hey, Laura, good morning. Laura, press star one. Uh, let's see, Laura. Did we, maybe we're having some technical difficulties, uh, so we can we can come back to you, Laura. Why don't we? Uh, next up is Grace. Grace, good morning. Good morning. This is Grace K. Um, I'm relatively new to vision. This is my, thank you, first of all, Larry, for your service. Um, I'm relatively new, a little bit nervous to share. This is my first time sharing on the seven o'clock meeting. Um, it's my 15th day of abstinence. And I just, I just had the impulse to, to say my name. This, uh, paragraph really resonated, um, with me as I'm just trying to be honest with what, uh, about my past and I, this morning I talked with my sponsor and yeah like I've um, shared with her like my the progression of my, my disease how it relates to Bill because um, I'm just reading finishing Bill's story with the um, with my assignments with her and um, I'm just coming to this 
point of, of the denial, just seeing the power of that perfection part that is just like, no, there's nothing wrong here. Um, I'm, I'm good. You know, I don't have restriction. I don't, I don't, you know, overeat too much. I'm, I'm good. I don't have this disease, you know, and I can feel resistance to um, being fully honest. And as I was sitting here after I talked with her, I just wrote down from the deepest part of my, of my just memory and just writing honestly that about the fear of getting too large of my dad judging other women and their weights and how that's affected me. Um, and to, even though it might be subtle at times, but just to realize how much this disease has, has affected me, but how it's not always so obvious. Um, um, and yeah, just in the reading, it's um, highly competent psychiatrists who have dealt with us have found it sometimes impossible to persuade an alcoholic to discuss his situation without reserve. And I just, that really speaks to me this morning. Um, I'm so grateful for this line and for everybody on the line. And thanks again for letting me share. Oh my gosh, Grace, I love that. I hope we hear more from you. Thanks so much. Okay, let's try to see if we can go back to, to, to pick up with Laura L. Laura, are you, are you available now to share? Laura L. Star one. Okay, maybe maybe either I didn't maybe I heard uh, a Laura and there wasn't a Laura, or we'll we'll kind of see where we we come in there. But let's move on to Gloria, followed by Sandra. Gloria. Hi, it's Gloria. A gracefully. Grateful, grateful, uh, compulsive overeater in recovery for today. I have to say I really identify with this paragraph, part of it, especially because I've been on both sides as a therapist and as a patient. And, you know, I went to therapy for, I don't know, maybe 20 years or something. I never mentioned that I was a compulsive overeater. Why? Um I knew I had an issue, and it wasn't until I was like 40 and came into uh, an OA meeting, regular OA, uh, <clears throat> those days, 30, almost 34 years ago. And I'm sitting in the meeting, and I say, oh, yeah, I do that, I do that. But I would pass as a normal person because I was like 20 pounds overweight. I wasn't like huge. But I still had the addiction, and I know with certain foods I would – you know, I'd eat the whole bag. I mean, I, I would embarrass myself and everybody else. Um, anyway, so grateful to be part of OA all these years, and I love the vision. You guys are great. I wish I had the time to be more involved. Um, thank you. Oh, thank you, Gloria. Glad you're glad you're sharing this morning. Okay, we have Sandra next, followed by Evelyn. Sandra, good morning. Star one, Sandra. Good morning. Good morning. You this are. is Sandra from Houston, Texas. I'm still working the steps, so I'm not fully recovered yet. But what I get out of this paragraph, I um, I think about how how I pushed my family and friends away. The last thing I wanted to hear was somebody um, trying to approach me regarding my eating, and um, it was just so easy to push my family away. Um, so easy to be mean to them 
And um, I became extremely unapproachable to them. Um, and when it came to psychiatrists, I mean, I never went to a psychiatrist, but I could talk to a stranger and want to explain how the feeling was or how eating was, how, how compulsive eating was. And I didn't know I was a compulsive overeater. But just explaining, don't you want, when you eat something, don't you just want to finish the whole thing, the whole pie, the whole bag of chips? It was so easy. And, and when I was, when they would look at me, oh, well, this would happen when I would go to Weight Watchers. And I remember um, I would talk to them. I'm like, doesn't that happen to you? And they're like, well, no, not really, you know, and just eat, you eat your points. And I, and I remember just going from one person to another to another just saying, you know, does this happen to you? Um, or when you start, you just can't stop or you just, you know, before you go to sleep, you're already thinking of the next meal and, you know, in the morning and you're excited because you're going to eat and how are you going to spend those points? It was just, it's just, it was easier to talk to a stranger for me, but I always just, you know, I started just, now that I look back, you know, I would see that they would just give me this dumbfounded look and, you know, when they didn't understand, I'd go on to the next person. And then I'd come home from my meeting, and instead of being all happy and excited, I'd, you know, be angry with my family. You know, angry that, that I'd go straight to the kitchen. Of course, not just angry at them, angry at myself. And I couldn't help it. You know, it was just something that, you know, they just, they would just anger me so much. And God forbid they'd mention any type of food or any kind of eating situation. But as soon as they say, hey, let's go out to eat, it was like, oh, okay, yes, let's go. And um, it's not like that anymore. It's not like that. Um, I'm working the steps, and, and it's a different situation now. Now I have God before me, and and uh, things are a lot happier now, and there's not a lot of anger. And slowly but surely, I'm recovering. And that's all. I pass. Oh, thank you, Sandra. Thank you for your share. Very helpful. Okay, next up is Evelyn. Good morning, Evelyn. Hi, everybody. This is Evelyn. I'm a compulsive overeater from Southeastern Mass. I'm. Uh, I really like this reading, and it, it just gave me a chuckle because I went to therapy for years, and I dragged my two daughters along. Because, you know, they were the problem, of course. It wasn't that their mother was totally crazy, totally out of control with the overeating and with another addiction that I had. And I never discussed any of that with the therapist. It isn't until recently that I have started to disclose it. And, um, you know, I just had my 75th birthday and I have my serenity prayer instead of tucked away in the bedroom or in the basement so nobody could see it, even in my own home, I have a a beautiful serenity prayer out in my dining room and a really nice one in the kitchen that used to be in the basement of all places. So um, I had my house recently recited in the, um, oh, I'm not paying attention to time. But anyways, I recited and the, um, the, contractor said oh yeah serenity prayer uh, are you in program I said yes of course I did not disclose which program because how do you tell somebody you are a compulsive overeater still hard so um but I like this 
And, you know, you can sneak by therapy and never tell them, never disclose. Okay. Thank you. Oh, thanks so much, Evelyn. Okay, we'll take more names. I'll just share with you the irony. We think we, uh, if we're not recovered or we're on this pathway, we're, we we got nothing to say or we're not going to be helpful. So wrong, so wrong. So just encourage anyone that wants to share. Oh, maybe the old timers, newcomers, all that stuff. So with that, who would like to share on what was read? Page 18, the third paragraph. Press star one. Tamitha. Sorry, Laura. Tamitha. Melissa. Nancy L. Nancy. Tiffany P. Surrey C. Tiffany and Surrey. Let's hold on for a second there so I can get my bearings here. I heard I heard Laura L. I got you this time, Laura. And was it uh, Tabitha or Tamitha? Did I did I bunch yes. that? Can you, can you hear me, Larry? Yeah, was, was it Tabitha? No, it was Laura. Sorry, I lost you there for a oh. while. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, Laura, I was, I got you, but I, I heard someone oh, okay. that sounded like, yeah, someone like Tamitha, and I just want her to chime in to make sure I have that correct. Tabitha, Tamitha, tomato, tomato, potato, potato. Okay, well, maybe not. So what I have it's is Tamitha. Laura. Tamitha. Tamitha. Okay. I, yeah. yeah. Oh, awesome. Awesome. Thank you for clarifying that, Tamitha. I have Laura followed by Tamitha, Melissa, Nancy, Tiffany, and Surrey, and then we'll kind of see where we're at. So let's uh, let's pick up. Uh, okay, Leah, and then let's stop there. And so let's start off with Laura. Laura, good morning. And Laura, you're going to have to press star mm-hmm. one. We, we okay, right? You Can you hear me? Sorry, I'm, yep. I'm having problems with my That's phone. Okay. okay, Laura, a compulsive eater, um, recovered in Pennsylvania. Um, thank everyone for your sharing. I definitely love this paragraph. And this is, again, my own experience with psychiatry and psychology and all that stuff. I think it's really good, like Bill says, um, in addition to but not in place of the 12 steps for me. That's what I found in my own experience. Um, and I have found that psychiatry could not give away something that they did not have. And what did they not have? They did not have the disease of compulsive eating. They did not have my disease. And quite frankly, I'm really not interested in someone's opinion on something in which they have no experience with. Um, and they just didn't have the depth and weight to convince me to stop eating. And, and I don't know, somehow it was like this moral issue. Um, I had to stop going to the grocery store to buy tires because they did not sell them there. You know, this, a woman once told me that. Um, and I wish they did. I wish they did. I wish I could take a pill and it would work for me and I wouldn't have to ever come to OA and do all this crap. Um, but they couldn't sell me, you know, that my psych- psychiatrist couldn't sell me on the allergy of the body, the obsession of the mind. They couldn't sell me on a spiritual solution because it's not even on their shelves. I don't even think it's in their inventory, you know. And, and, and again, I wish that it was, but a typical therapy session for me went like this. You know, the therapist would say, well, what were you thinking before you ate the entire uh, sheet cake that feeds a birthday party of 30? And I look at the therapist and I go, what was I thinking? Nothing. And then at the inpatient treatment center, they would say, well, how do you feel about binging and purging 30, 50 times a day, laxative, losing 100 pounds? And, and I'd shrug my shoulders and I said, how do I feel about it? Nothing. I don't really feel nothing. And then the ICU doctors would take the, you know, well, how, what were you thinking right before you took the two bottles of pills last night to kill yourself? And with a deep sigh and a lot of shame, I'd shrug my shoulders and i go, what was I thinking? Nothing. Like, what was I feeling? Nothing. 
And so the question is, how do you treat nothing? And I did a lot of years of psychotherapy prior to OA. And I was going to be really dead, but I was going to really understand it. And so for me, I made the colossal mistake, and I say this all the time, of trying to treat my compulsive eating with therapy alone. And it's like going to a gunfight with a pocket knife. It just never worked for me because therapy took me in a direction and it said I could manage my life where you guys said, no, you can't. You have no freaking power and you suck at managing. And then they told me in therapy I could fix myself. And you guys said, only God can fix you. And then in therapy, it was all about me. And you guys said, no, it's all about, it's all about you. And conventional medicine and religion really tries, but they could not possibly treat the three elements that join together to create this landscape of this disease. That cut me off from all of you, the fear, the resentment, the sex, and all, the selfishness and all that stuff. And for me, abstinence is the willingness, and the, this is the treatment here for me. Abstinence is the willingness to expose myself to the truth despite the consequences, meaning i got to give up my alcoholic foods. And abstinence is the willingness to stop treating my disease with food, and it is the willingness to step out into thin air and take the treatment and join us. And that's what I've done here. And that has worked for me. So I'm so grateful for this program and for all of you. So that's all I have. Thanks. Thanks for putting me out of a job, Laura. <laughs> no, I'm in agreement with you. <laughs> okay, I'm in agreement with you. Um, next up, we have Tamitha followed by Melissa. Hey, Tamitha. Tamitha, hey, press hey, star hey. one. There you are. Yep. Hi. Hi, everybody. My name is Tamitha, and I'm a compulsive eater, and I'm in um, Southeast Philly. Um, this is my first time sharing on this meeting, even though I have been actually listening to vision meetings for quite some time. Um, I think it's been a couple of years, actually. Um, and um, I'm excited to be able to share with you, and thank you so much for your service, Larry. Um, so I, um, this is an interesting paragraph for me, and it really spoke to me today because I'm actually in another program, and I've been in that program, another 12-step program for six years, and I've been very reluctant, even though um, I've had great success in that program and I'm very um, involved in it, I've had great reluctance with admitting and coming to acceptance that I also have the disease of compulsive eating. Um, I went to a, my first in-person meeting of OA about three years ago, and I walked into the room and kind of thought that I was there just to see if I really had an issue with food because I just didn't want to. I don't know how to explain it, but I had given up every other ad addictive substance in my life and I thought that I could still have the food and I was so sad and scared to realize that I had to give it up as well. But when I walked in that meeting and other people shared some of the things that they were doing with food and how they were eating, I realized that although this particular addiction hasn't really been front and center for me for my whole life, what happened was when I gave up the other stuff, it cleared away the fact that this one was kind of lying in wait for me. Um, and I will admit too that I'm, I'm not quite there with, um, with my absence yet. I just haven't been willing to give up the food. Um, I, I hope to um, very soon because I realize that what God's presented me with is this other addiction so that it's an opportunity. I really do believe this. It's an opportunity for me to do the deeper spiritual work that I need to do um, to get closer to him. And where I may have been lacking in my other program, that's what I'm here for. I really do 
you know, truly believe that. I believe that that's what I'm here. The food is the thing that's going to bring me closer to God if I just accept it. So that's all I have. Thank you so much, everybody. Have a wonderful day. Oh, thanks. Uh, thanks, Tamitha, for your share. Next up uh, is Melissa, followed by Nancy. Good morning, our essential homeworker. Hey, Larry. Good morning. Hi. It's Melissa Say. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. I live in New York. And, um, yeah, I, you know, this paragraph really, it, it just um, just makes me think. Like, I had this unwritten rule that it just accompanied me throughout every single relationship from the time I was a little girl. And it was, don't you dare discuss my eating or my weight or anything to do with my food. Um, that was like, if you wanted to terminate a relationship with me, that's all you had to do. You had to just say something about my weight or something the way I ate. And um, that's it. I would just amputate, walk away. Um, and, you know, and my parents, they would sit me down um, God, they loved me, and they saw me suffering, you know. Um, and so every now and then they would, like, you know, probably muster all the courage they had to sit to sit me down. And it was always at the kitchen table um, for this talk that they were going to have with me, and they were just going to tell me how, you know, how much they loved me and, and how I was such a smart little girl and, and pretty and talented and you know they would always come in with the compliment first and then go like right for the jugular but your weight but you're eating and it would enrage me I took it as complete rejection they don't love me um and and you know and I could not hear any of their suggestions anything that they did to try to help me and then that followed me throughout every relationship you know that was that's what would happen and I like everybody I went to therapy and you know, um, but I reserved things. You know, that's lie by omission, withholding information. So I would tell the truth of everything else, you know, and usually it was the truth, everything else that other people did to me. So my therapy appointments were always analyzing other people, their behaviors, what they did to me, and I would sit there, eat it, you know, in my head, already planning what I was going to eat as soon as I walked out of those offices. Um, you know, and then I would have, you know, I had a very painful experience where my mother-in-law tried to sit me down um, and talk to me. And my God, that, um, you know, and she cried. She was so, like, she just bit the bullet and tried to approach me. And I was so angry at her. Um, I just, I didn't answer her calls after that. Um, and, of course, as soon as she left, I ate. You know, unapproachable, completely unapproachable. None of those people could help me, um, not because they didn't love me, not because they didn't care, but because they didn't have a message of depth and weight. They weren't one of us. You know, only someone who's one of us could tell me not that I was killing me, but that they were killing themselves and that they weren't any longer. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Uh, thanks, Melissa. Okay, we have Nancy next, followed by Tiffany. Nancy. Star one, Nancy. Can I be heard, Larry? Oh, there you are. You sure can. Okay. 
Okay, good morning, Larry, and thank you for being here this morning and for everybody's shares this morning. It's just been very special. It uh, brought me back to my journey um, when I first realized I have a problem with food. Um, I didn't realize it by anyone talking to me because nobody talked to me about my eating. I would steal food from them. And nobody would say you you stole you you ate everything, but nobody ever said anything. They just let me do it and go on. And I don't think they realized what my issue was. And and I can't fault anybody for that. Um, but I came to realize that I had a food addiction when I am going to and I'll call the name. I was going to AA with a loved one who I was very codependent on and I was going to fix. But I sit in those AA meetings and and listen to the alcoholics describe how they used alcohol and I would think, I use food the same way. And I would sit in those meetings and know that those were the people that I identified with and I thought, but I don't even like alcohol. Why do I identify with these people? But I knew that I was doing something to my body that was very much the same as what they were doing to their body. But nobody, I went to psychiatrists, I went to counselors, nobody ever talked to me about my food addiction. They talked to me about my codependency addiction and tried to fix that. And they were very loving and trying to fix that. Um, but nobody ever mentioned the fact that I'm obese, um, that I'm I'm eating for two or three hours at a time, and uh, so nobody really knew. I don't believe what what my true addiction was, and that's that's with food, using food to mask my feelings and my thoughts and. Um, and it's still today, if I tell somebody that I, and try to share my addiction with food, they look at me a little bit strange, like, what are you talking about? So I can only share my addiction with people like you on vision and and people who know what I do with food, what I used to do with food. I am working on some abstinence um, and working on an 11-month abstinence, but I'm not there yet. Um, I take it one day at a time and make my food plan and try to, with God's help, stick to that. And uh, I'm very grateful for this program this morning. I was out taking my walk this morning and listening to you folks and just feeling like God has poured out his blessings on me. So thank you for letting me share, and thank you for being here. And I'll pass. Oh, glad you're here, Nancy. Okay, we have Tiffany followed by Suri. Hey, Tiffany, good morning. It's your turn. Good morning. Um, thank you, Larry, for your service, and thank you, everyone, on the meeting. Uh, this is Tiffany, recovered in San Antonio. Um, and that first line of that sentence really sticks, stands out to me. It reminds me of... Um, when I went to a psychiatrist who 
his uh, recommendation to me when I uh, disclosed that I was a compulsive overeater and had started going to OA was that, you know, whenever I crave sweets, he suggested that instead of going for, um, you know, something with sugar in it, that I just substitute with one or two pieces of fruit. And um, I just remember staring at him like, there's no way I can see this person um, again because he just doesn't get it. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, with with that type of recommendation, um, you know, of course I'm not going to be able to disclose to this person or feel comfortable disclosing to this person, you know, the depths of my disease. Um, You know, it wasn't until I came into the rooms and I heard people who did what I did with food who – um, you know, had to cover, if they threw something away, had to had to go back and cover it with uh, dish soap so they wouldn't go back into the garbage can um, to, to complete eating it, or whose eyes, when they popped open in the, in the morning, the first thought on their mind was like, what um, were they going to eat? Were they not going to eat? What were they going to eat? How were they going to get it? Um, it wasn't until I walked into the OA rooms and heard that these people did what I did with food. They thought how I thought with food. Um, They hid food. Um, And I love what the first person who shared talked about shame. Like there was something always inside of me that felt, you know, I was just different when it came to food and I was too ashamed because I, I just knew that other people around me didn't have that type of relationship with food. You know, they could have a piece of something or a bite of something and it was too sweet and they could push it away and too sweet just was never on my radar. Um, You know, I would eat stale food and didn't taste good, but I couldn't stop eating it. Um, So I couldn't relate, you know, and I couldn't share that with other people and I didn't want to feel pitied or looked at as different. Um, So, of course, I kept it to myself. But like others have shared, you know, um, when I came into the rooms and and people shared with me what they did with food, that was the beginning of hearing a message of depth and weight that I could relate to. And um, it gave me hope because if you thought how I thought about food and related to food in the same way and you were able to get better, then maybe I was too. Um, and, And that was what I needed you know, to um, start my recovery journey. Um, so that's all I wanted to share. Thank you. I'll pass. Oh, thanks, Tiffany. Okay, we have uh, Suri followed by Leah S., my friend Suri. Good morning, Suri. Hi, this is Suri C., compulsive overeater. Not recovered, but as recovered as I am today because of the voices on this line, so thank you. This paragraph I just had to share. I've been in therapy with my ex-husband with problems in my life for the last, what, my son's 16th of her, 17 years. I am therapized out. I spoke to my last therapist, and he thanked me for the experience of having been my therapist. Wow. And yet I left him because I still felt this was a problem that wasn't being addressed he tried his best, but I am so, I'm so lost. Strangely enough, the paragraph says, strangely enough, family and friends find it harder to approach us and help us than even the therapist. It's not strange. I have a heart. We have a heart that's broken. Restored. Restored. We need that power. We need God's power. 
to help heal our hearts. Can't do that ourselves. But to open our hearts, to open ourselves to vulnerability, to be openly vulnerable on this line, to say that this is my place, these are my fellows. I'm in so much pain, but I'm so, and because I'm still on the food, and God help me, I am so done. But I'm not, because I'm still in the food. Every day, my action right now is showing up for this meeting, and it hurts, and I want the pain to end. But I'm so glad that I feel the pain, because that means that my heart is of flesh and not of stone. That means that I'm present. That means that I feel safe. That means that I feel welcomed. And this fellowship is just the most amazing thing on the planet. Because, strangely enough, my family and friends, no, they watched every single time I chose to have a heart of stone. As I put the food in my mouth, they watched me choose food rather than friendship, choose food rather than feel. And their hearts were breaking for me. Therapist is two steps removed. I leave him, I'm fine. And therapist, I mean, his issue isn't food, so he's not going to get it unless he's trained in this area. But otherwise, being in this room, you guys get it. And I hope to God for the pain. I pray for the pain to end soon. Not by ending it, not by not, not through numbness, but through embraces, just like the ones I feel through the voices of this line every day. Thank you so much. I pass. Thank you, Suri. Okay, Leah S., it's your turn. Good morning. Thank you so much, Larry. Good morning, everybody. This is Leah S., very grateful in Brooklyn. Um, there is some background noise over there. Yeah, Leah, hold, hang on, hang, hang tight, Leah. We're going to mute the lines, and then we're going to ask you to uh, to unmute yourself again, okay? Thank if you, you would. Sure. There you are. <clears throat> Leah, are you are you uh, are you back? And press star one. <clears throat> okay, I'm back. There you are. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, so I'm going to read this. Strangely enough, wives, parents, and intimate friends usually find us even more unapproachable than do the psychiatrist and the doctor. And I'm going to use a metaphor. And um, that is that how many sweet little ants told me, oh, you're so pretty. Why don't you lose weight? I mean, come on. You know, you don't have to have that. You don't have to have that. And, you know, oh, no, 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 give me your portion. This is not good. This is not. So no one spoke my language. No one. Because what did they know about me? What did anyone know about me and what I was feeling? And do you for one second think that I didn't know every single day when I took my shower or when I got dressed or did not get dressed, why I didn't get dressed? Oh, for crying out loud. You guys that I never even met probably know more about me than anyone else because you speak my language. I hear it through the voices. I hear it through the authenticity in these rooms. 
in your voice. And um, it is remarkable because uh, no one as another alcoholic, in other words, as another compulsive overeater, can understand one person who does eat constantly. And thank God for this room, and thank God for all the other rooms of compulsive overeating. Thank you. I pass. Oh, thank you, Leah. Okay, we need uh, perhaps a couple more people, and then we'll see where we're at. Who would like to uh, share? Thanks, Julie. I'd like to share. Oh, Melanie. Liz, you yeah, here's who I heard. Okay, with only only room for maybe two or three. I heard I heard Vasa, and I heard was it a, a Sophie? Did I hear Sophie, and then uh, maybe Julie? Uh, so let's go with that and kind of see where we're at. Why don't we start with Vasa? And what? I'm sorry. Okay. Can I set let's you? Start. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry, Vasa, you bet. You bet, Vasa. You go right ahead. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Thank you, Larry, for your service. And I'm Vasa. Oh, grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. I'm calling from Florida today. We are snowbirds. We are in Florida. So this is a good paragraph. Um, okay. Highly competent. Psych- so I never went to a psychiatrist for my uh, my eating disorder. I really didn't even know I had an eating disorder till I, till I came to my first OA meeting. I didn't know anything about the allergy. I didn't know, but I knew I had a problem with the food. I just didn't know, know what to do about it. And I remember going to my doctors, you know, when I had my physical, when, or when I was pregnant with my kids, you know, my doctor would say, you know, you've you got to be careful, you know. You, I must have gained like 60 pounds with my first child, and I'm very little. I'm only 5'1", 5'2". And uh, by the time I came to OA, I was beginning to develop all physical problems, diabetes, high blood pressure. It's not like I didn't want to put the food down. I, Of course I didn't want to, and I did everything I could try to put the food down, but I just couldn't. I didn't know. I had no clue about eating disorders, compulsive overeating. I didn't know anything about the allergy I didn't know anything about the disease. I have learned it all right here. And I'm just so grateful that I was led from my higher power to my first OA meeting. And, yes, I was given this big book from my sponsor. And I remember saying to her at that time, I'm not an alcoholic. I don't want this book. She said, just read it and identify. And I started having a lot of compassion about my dad, the drinker. Because I saw, my goodness, they, I have the same problem, the same allergy as these people have. And it's, my dad tried to put the alcohol down, but he couldn't do it. I, and I did, like, with the food, but I could not do it till I came. And I was ready and willing to surrender and find a power, a higher power that was greater than myself. That was the beginning, and that was the only way. I I couldn't, they didn't tell me this at the doctor's office. They didn't tell me this when I went to the Weight Watchers or any other 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 programs that had nothing to do with the 12 steps. But I am so grateful. I've been here. I've been, I've been coming. And I love the vision for you because we have it every day. And we can go one 
paragraph at a time. I don't absorb. My mind doesn't absorb one page or two or three pages and then share on it. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Oh, thank you, Vasa. Was there a Sophie or Sophia? If so, uh, Sophie, press star one. Okay, let's move on to Julie. Julie, you're up. Press star one. Hi, hi, Larry. This is Julie. Can I be heard? So it was Toby W. I, I'm sorry. Go, go, go ahead, Sophie. It's your turn. I'm sorry, Ju- Julie. <laughs> Julie, it's your turn. Go right ahead. Julie, sorry for the interruption. You're going to have to press star one again. Wait, who's going, Julie or Sophie? Julie, Julie. Okay, hi, I'm Julie. Larry, you're so hysterical. Thank you for the laugh this morning. Um, you know, I wasn't going to share, um, but I'm propelled to share from all the beautiful shares I, I heard. Um, you know, it just, I'm, I'm just reminded again and again <clears throat> that for me, um, it's all God. It is all a power greater than myself um, that only, only can, you know, do I have a chance at um, recovering from this disease because I, too, am a trained professional and wrote uh, and did a project on eating disorders in graduate school and wrote a paper and got A's on everything. (laughs) I had no idea what I was talking about. I always had issues with food, but... You know, diet and exercise worked for a long time. Um, it wasn't until my late 30s that it didn't. And and even so, you know, coming to OA, I, it, I still used it as a diet for the first five years. Um, I, I could not comprehend that, you know, and it progressed, of course, during that time. Um, and I just could not comprehend that it it. it it had nothing to do with my willpower, you know, because I would beat myself up so badly, so my whole life, you know, and I would have many people too, like my one of my good friend's brothers said, if Julie just lost a little weight, she would be so beautiful, you know, and it, like things like that. So my, I heard things like that my whole life and like they hurt so bad, you know, and um, but anyway, you know, just so grateful that, I'm reminded, you know, if I work on my relationship with God and let God work through others um, to help me and me to help them, because that's how God works, because I need to put my pride and ego down, um, because I I love to help people, so it's hard for me to accept help, um, but to do that. And just one last thing in regard to the professionals, you know, I've told many of my doctors about <clears throat> food addiction and OA and, you know, they they don't understand, they can't. How could you possibly understand this unless you have it? You know, and for me too, you know, alcoholism progressed when I was 42 years old. It, with glass in hand, you know, it was two years with a five-month white-knuckling it on my own of um, drinking that I said, I can't do this. And I prayed. And then God, you know, um, he lifted the obsession. Um, 
but it's just like we're so lucky to even be here on the phone. You know, we have a chance. I have so many, I know so many people who could use this program, but you just, you have to want it. And I want it and I'm here and thank you everybody for your shares. They're very beautiful today. Thanks, Larry. Oh, thank you, Julie. And Toby, my dear Toby, um, would you hang out for the, the second hour if you're able? And you'll be the, the first one up, Toby. Appreciate that. Okay, and thank you to everyone who has uh, participated today, joined us uh, today. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. Uh, the share ID for today's meeting, that number is 15,817. That's 15817. And so now we're going to close with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And Martha, Z, can you do that from memory? Just close your book and just do it from memory. No problem, Larry. Thank you. <laughs> this is Martha Z. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater by the grace of God from outside of Philadelphia. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. <laughs>